This is the Tribune Audio Network. This is the Backstory Podcast. I'm Larry Potash. On this show, we uncover the backstory behind some of the most intriguing tales in history, culture, science, and religion. In this episode, he helped nail Al Capone on tax evasion charges. But Fast Eddie's legacy goes beyond Capone. Here is the backstory. What is this? If we can establish that any of these coded entries indicate payment to Capone, then we can put Capone away. The ledger is crucial in taking down Al Capone for tax evasion. If you recall the movie The Untouchables, the key witness is Capone's bookkeeper. What the? See, I'm walking out with the bookkeeper. And the bookkeeper and me are driving away. I'm not kidding, that crazy. You know what to do this. I'll tell you what you want to know, for Christ's sake. You got him? Yeah, I got him. <laughs> you won! Will you stop it? Take him. His name, Leslie Shumway. But how did the feds get him? An inside man known as Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie was probably pretty charming because he was able to handle both the mob guys and the straight world, and included in the straight world, the, the federal agents, with a lot of skill and very deftly for a long time. Max Collins wrote Road to Perdition and the Dick Tracy comic strip. Most successful bootleggers of the Roaring Twenties. A. Brad Schwartz is a historian from Princeton. Together they wrote Scarface and the Untouchable. Their research uncovers new details that reveal Ness to be the hero that some claimed was exaggerated in the famous TV series and movies. Capone, you want to fight? You want to fight you and me right here? But in the movies and TV shows, there's no mention of Fast Eddie. A successful attorney, he purchases the rights to the electronic rabbit used at racetracks. And when you're doing business with racetracks in the 1920s, your path will eventually cross with the mob. It's very easy to fix. Uh, if you have a dog you don't want to win, you just give him too much food and he gets uh, kind of slow and he's not going to win the race. He's still operating in an area where you're dealing with a lot of shady characters, money um, on the margins, and uh, uh, you need to associate with gangsters to, to protect your interests. Fast Eddie goes into business with Capone. He actually kind of stood up to them a little bit, which they respected, and that's how they got in business together. Well, yeah, that was sort of my next question. You would have thought they would have brought him in and somehow got rid of him. I think it's a misnomer to think that, that the mob just sort of routinely killed people. Mm -hmm. I think it wasn't their go-to instinctive uh, reaction. If they could handle it with money or if they saw someone who had something on the ball that they could bring in, they just bring them in. They were, they were businessmen. Now, uh, they were willing to go there. The feds can't trace Capone to his profits, but the dog tracks in Cicero and Chicago are one of the first major leads. Treasury investigator Frank Wilson targets Fast Eddie. And very quickly becomes apparent to the Treasury that they can put the screws on him and maybe threaten to or charge him with tax evasion to try and get him to flip on the gang. 
caught between Agent Wilson and Capone, one wrong move leads to prison bars or a gravestone. But Fast Eddie has a plan. There are indications that Eddie, by agreeing to work with, with uh, federal investigators and giving them a vast quantity of very useful information, um, was playing a game to get someone who had become sort of the albatross around the gang's neck um, uh, out of the way. The feds finally take Capone down in 1931. In many ways, I don't think you have the conviction of Al Capone without Eddie's involvement. Nitty is in charge and money keeps rolling in for the mob and Fast Eddie. Collins says there's good evidence that the mob, politicians, and the feds conspired to take Capone off the front page. If you're in business and you've got somebody who is attracting a lot of bad publicity and, and is at the top, if you can get rid of that person and bring, bring it down a little bit, fly under the radar a little bit better, uh, that's quite advantageous. November 8, 1939, Fast Eddie leaves his office at Sportsman's Park in Cicero. Fast Eddie's sort of taken for a ride, but he was the only one driving. He was targeted, and it was right around when Capone was uh, getting out of prison, out of Alcatraz. He's driving up Ogden Avenue, and uh, as he's, he's driving along, he's suddenly being pursued by another car with a shotgun coming out of the rear window, I believe. Um, two shots ring out. Uh, the car ends up crashing against a post, and inside, uh, Eddie's lying dead uh, with a couple of shotgun blasts in his head. He had been known as, as sort of a playboy, as a, as a prominent individual. And so initially, it's, it's, I think, a very shocking crime for a lot of people that somebody like this would be murdered in a fashion that has all the, the earmarks of an outfit hit. But after his death, things start to roll out about his associations with the mob, and it becomes clear that uh, there was more to him uh, than perhaps met the eye on the surface. Did Fast Eddie try to pull one over on Frank Nitti? I do think Nitti was probably behind it because he had kind of cheated Nitti somewhat on business and was getting too big for his britches. But Fast Eddie's legacy isn't all bad. He set his son on a path to success. It's a very common attitude among not just gangsters, but people I think who were involved in that life who who saw their business as something that was fine for them, but they didn't want the next generation to be associated with it, that they were going to make sacrifices, um, uh, but they didn't want their sons and daughters to take that path. Fast Eddie saw the same wild streak in his son, so he pushed him into a different career. Fast Eddie's last name, O'Hare. Chicago's O'Hare International Airport is named for Fast Eddie's son, Edward, known as Butch O'Hare. During World War II, on the night of November 26, 1942, the Navy pilot takes off from the aircraft carrier Lexington in the South Pacific and shoots down five Japanese bombers. You can see a replica of his Wildcat in Terminal 2. He earns the designation as the Navy's first ace pilot and receives the Medal of Honor from President Roosevelt. In 1949, Tribune publisher Robert McCormick pushes for the Orchard Depot Airport to be renamed in Butch O'Hare's honor. The indications are that McCormick at the same time considered this as an acknowledgement or reward for the work that the father had done. Because again, without Eddie Sr., you would not have seen the conviction of Capone in 1931. 
A man with a valuable law degree, Fast Eddie could have made different choices in life, but he thought he could keep the mob at a safe distance. He made sure his son would not make the same mistakes. So he really sensed that, that this son had to be put on the straight and narrow path. And who better to, to know that someone needs to go on the straight and narrow path than someone walking a very crooked one. Thanks for listening to Backstory. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast or leave a review. To watch our full coverage of this story and see some that didn't make it to the podcast, visit us online at wgntv.com slash backstory. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.